Welcome to the PPC Show, brought to you by AdStage. I am Paul Wicker. And I'm J.D. Prater. And J.D. is back. He was traveling on the East Coast, presenting, not just presenting, keynoting at Hero Conference in Philadelphia, where, sure enough, he won Best Presentation. So congrats, J.D. Here's your clap. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was um, unexpected. I didn't think that I would be voted for, so I, I thought only, like, the breakout sessions could win. And... Um, Sure enough, I was like waiting for other names to be called. And then uh, Kayla was like, Prater taught. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, she, that, that's how I was announced as the winner was Prater taught. Right. Which is Hannafin's nickname for me and completely kind of caught me off guard. And then, of course, they have you stand up, which is the last thing I want to do is like stand up in front of like 600, 700 people and like accept an award and so i was just like okay thank you okay i'm sitting back down now (laughs) (laughs) well congratulations uh were you prater tot before you had a baby or was that a baby nickname uh no that was uh jeff allen the president of hennepin made that up for me and then i just went ahead and transferred that on to like an actual prater tot that makes way more sense (laughs) for my 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 baby son to be called that rather than me so well nope sure enough they brought it right back and Jeff is known for making up really weird nicknames, isn't he? Yes, he he is a master at coming up with just awkward, it's just like internal joke nicknames that, and then they love just like saying them over and over again. That's so, wonderful. Yes, well, thank you, Jeff and Kayla. <laughs> congratulations, it's very nice because the that really is a, a crowd of your peers, and we had talked about on the show last week you preparing for it. I, I mean, I probably inspired you with many of the ideas you used to win the award. So <laughs> I will happily stand up in the crowd next time and give the speech. Uh, no, it was good. It was, you know, uh, definitely like nervous. And I think most of the nervousness comes from uh, like literally your peers coming up to you going, so you nervous? <laughs> hey, man. So first keynote, like, are you, are you ready? Are you nervous? He's <laughs> like, gosh, quit reminding me. Right. <laughs> I mean, the pressure's high, and I was talking to uh, actually my girlfriend about it because when you won, I was very happy for you, and I was telling her, oh, J.D. won, and uh, and I was saying they're harder, keynotes are different because how-to speeches and talks are a little bit easier because you're like, I have this how-to content, how to run ads on Quora, or how to use custom audiences for XYZ. It's very, like, practical, so you feel like even if I stink, people, like, I have good content. Then, But mm-hmm. what you did wasn't, like, a how-to-do-something like a traditional how to build a whatever, right? Like what actually, what did you present on? Um, so uh, the name of the title was um, Swipe, Click, Binge, Repeat. What happens when performance marketing is not enough? And so it's really around uh, how do you drive growth in a digitally distracted world? And so I had four ideas of how we could cut through the noise and actually make a difference. So that was that was what I presented on. I presented my four ideas. And we, I think, if you if we want to get them, because I I couldn't see it. I wasn't at the conference, and they don't stream it. So how do we see this magical deck of yours that that won an award? Uh, yeah. So I tweeted out the deck. the The deck is tweeted. If you go to at JD Prater on Twitter, it's out. It's also on SlideShare. So I tweeted out the deck. It's about 130 slides. So it may not make a whole lot of sense as you're going through it because, as you know, 130 slides in 40 minutes, I move pretty quick. Um, so each slide is like an idea, you know, right. there's no, there's no screenshotting, you know, like people are like trying to take photos of my slides and I'm like on to the next one. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Random photos. <laughs> well, maybe we can do like, I'm picturing, uh, 
doing a webinar with you, but not a webinar. Just like you should redo it. If it's if it's good, you should redo it. You put a lot of work into it. So maybe we'll do a special edition of the PPC show, which is really just you doing your talk. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm trying to, uh, I had a few people reach out and we're like, hey, like we come to our conference and give that. So I was like, yes, I would love to like, I spent so much time. I bet I honestly, I bet probably close to a hundred hours on this, you know, right. Cause I read a bunch of books, you listen to a bunch of podcasts, you're reading articles, I'm having conversations. So yeah, any way I can get mileage out of this, let's do it. Yeah, that's much better than actually doing just the PPC show. You should definitely go on the road and uh, give this presentation all all around the world. Uh, I hope so. Well, good luck. I hope that happens and you fly cool places. Let's talk about some headlines from the week. It is quarterly earnings season, so uh, a lot of numbers coming in from the companies we all uh, know and love. I actually just tweeted kind of a little wrap-up. I'll give you the rundown real quick. Everybody's up, so... If you're in, of course. if you're in advertising, it's uh, it's a good place to be. All the growth numbers are quarter over quarter, so it's Q1 2019 compared to Q1 2018. Amazon's up 34%, 2.7 billion. Facebook's up 26%, 11.8 billion. Twitter's up 18%, 679 million. Even Snapchat's up 39%, only 320 million quarterly earnings. Google announces on Monday. Keep in mind, Q4 was 39 billion. And they were up 21% in Q4. So I assume they're going to be up to 40-something billion dollars, which, of course, add everybody else together. And they're still not half of Google. <laughs> so, Yeah. That's insane. Isn't it? I mean, like, look how much money that is. <laughs> but I think my two surprising, I think, you know, so many people like ragging on Amazon. Oh, growth, but it's slow growth. You know, and I'm like, come on. Like, of course it's going to slow down. Like, percentage-wise, it's going to slow down. Facebook's up. With I think really the help of Instagram, which we'll get into, but again, I I'm shocked with Twitter and Snap. I mean, they're still continuing to get more uh, of that digital budget, and I, I I give them kudos. Like I'm 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 surprised. I keep waiting for Snap's revenue to stall, but it's not. Uh, they're really doing a, I think a, a decent job of both of them of monetizing the users that they have. And someone who didn't mention uh, or didn't. Uh, make this lineup Apple because so much of their revenue comes from you know hardware but and they don't release numbers on their advertising but according to estimates it the estimates and actually I think the estimates come in large part from Kenshu releases like a benchmark report uh, and they do a lot of Apple ads um, which is actually a funny snafu that they made they whatever their numbers were like the headline of the marketing land article was like in the original Kenshu benchmark report which was later retracted and erroneous (laughs) (laughs) about Apple. So I feel bad for my marketing friends over at Kenshu for that. But that one, that's that's not what you want in like the first line of your uh, coverage. But anyway, 500 million per quarter uh, assumed to be done on Apple ads. Primarily that's app install ads. So that that's bigger than Snap, less than Twitter. Um, And yeah, let's get right into actually the, well, I should plug our own benchmark report before we talk about uh, Merkel's report. Um, But because Merkel had a lot of good data on the growth of Facebook and Google like as a business. Our benchmark report is also great. We just published the Q1 report, I think, yesterday. Uh, so if you're listening to this, it's now live. You go over to adstage.io. I think we have a resources section. You can get this quarter and past quarter benchmark reports. Ours is all about paid marketing numbers, so CPC, CPM, CTRs by different placements, networks, etc. The one, I guess... There's a million things in there. One of the ones I pulled out uh, for Facebook was 
Messenger. So Messenger is gaining traction, and CTRs on Messenger have climbed over the past four quarters from kind of 0.54% CTR up to 0.78% CTR. So marketers are finally learning how to get ads into Messenger in a way that are approaching a 1% click-through rate, which is pretty impressive considering it's a Messenger app. Yeah, uh, I'm the Messenger one to me, like, again, I don't know. I, I still am not in, like, huge on that placement. I'm just as, like, as a user, I don't, I just don't get it. But I, I, I get wanting to put ads there because eyeballs are there. So definitely there. I was, uh, I was actually kind of surprised on a couple of them too. So, you, you know, uh, the ad stage benchmark report, it breaks out news feed, audience network, you got messenger in there. So it does a pretty good job of really kind of showing you where growth is slowing down, where growth is kind of headed. And again, you kind of see the news feed, uh, you know, if we're looking at year over year, that CPC is up like almost 50%, which I, I, it sounds like a lot, right? It's 50%, but it was 48 cents in 2018 Q1. This year, 2019, it's 63 cents. So it's still very cheap, especially when you compare it to Google search or like LinkedIn ads. But the trend is it's going up. It's going up and to the right almost every quarter. And it's it's not surprising because Facebook at least Facebook newsfeed and, con- and traditional Facebook continues to lose uh, momentum. So uh, in the Merkle report, um, the even the amount spent on Facebook advertising actually went down. So it, it fell 2% this quarter, this past quarter from a year earlier, according to Merkle. So brands are actually now spending less on Facebook. And this, this is truly Facebook, not Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. Instagram is, of course, growing by 44% in ad spend. Uh, according to last year. So yeah, people are spending a ton on Instagram, but Facebook spend has started to flip and is now shrinking. Yeah, that one I was like, I was really surprised to see like the first time, you know, that it's it's fallen, you know, 2%. And that, that's, I mean, that's a lot of money. But again, Instagram, like everyone is just flooding to Instagram. So what I was wondering is, is this because people are selecting all placements? You know, as we go in and we're selecting our Facebook ads, the default is all placements and maybe there's just more inventory. And so they're able to kind of put it into stories or put it into the newsfeed where literally the Facebook newsfeed is jam packed. One or two are people literally, you know, just picking Instagram over Facebook. So I think I don't know those two answers as, as none of us really will, but um, I just wonder. Yeah. When I think of the brands that I talk to or that we have as clients, I mean, they really are very focused on Instagram as a placement. They're more excited about Instagram. They spend more time on their creative for Instagram. Um, you know, it's it's almost becoming the first thing they'll do is, oh, I'm going to do a carousel ad with, you know, really nice looking creative for Instagram type, type vibe. So that's super anecdotal, but it seems like people now are asking more questions about Instagram than, than Facebook. Uh, and then some other stats in the Merkle report uh, no surprise, Amazon continues to grow its ad business. <laughs> uh, there is all the changes of Bing with, uh, you know, Yahoo uh, and the traffic now that used to go through Gemini. Uh, well, used to get Yahoo traffic through Gemini. And, of course, that folded and, you know, that whole, like, collapse of the Verizon media business that they tried to spin it off as Oath, O-A-T-H. Like, when Yahoo sold, they created Oath and Verizon. Then they're like, nobody cares about this. Then they wrote off, I forget how many billions we talked about in value of the Yahoo brand, and then relaunched it as Verizon Media Group, and then are kind of redoing all the agreements. So the way you get traffic now from Yahoo is you go through Bing, and they're trying to 
decouple everything else from like uh, Google and, and Gemini so that you, if you want Yahoo traffic, you have to get it through Bing. But it's transitionary. So over this year, they're continuing to try to get all this stuff worked out. Um, and then Google, actually, Google had some good stats. I think you, you also read another article about uh, some Google data, right? Yeah, no, this one I was kind of surprised by. So again, it was uh, the Merkel, uh, coming from the Merkel report on search engine land. Pretty sure it was Ginny covering this one and just really seeing, uh, you know, clicks are going up, costs are going down. And of course, you're like, what? Like that, that sounds like a great news. But a lot of that is just driven from mobile. Mobile is up more and more. And so as we really are turning to mobile in those, you know, what do we call those, those micro moments or in the moment we're really turning to our phones as we keep them within hands reach pretty much all day every day even when we're sleeping that's where we're turning to to get our answers so or i should say asking our questions or putting in the the search queries i don't know if necessarily you're getting the answer because uh, if you couple that with rand uh, shared a result that like almost half of uh, google searches end up without a click which I thought was kind of interesting. So people are kind of searching and just kind of scrolling through. Maybe it's getting answered, maybe it's not, but they're not clicking, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, that is an insane number. It makes sense with the strides that Google's made with the like structured snippets or like, you know, the, the data you get, you mm -hmm. know, the Wikipedia. I mean, Wikipedia traffic must be down horrifically because <laughs> now like the first result on Google is always Wikipedia in a box. And I'm like, oh yeah, that, that answers my question. I don't need to click. <laughs> but uh the other thing, so I, there was a total random fact, and then we should talk about Amazon in the next story, and then I think uh, you had some good stats on them. Um, the, the stat I totally didn't know or expect is other search engines. So we'll talk about Brave in a bit, but also there's uh, DuckDuckGo, which mm -hmm. I, I played around with a year, two years ago, but apparently they're getting a little bit of steam, and their search volume has made it from 0.3% up to 0.5% search volume, which... Doesn't sound like much, but when you think about Yahoo had a whole business and Bing had a whole business with less than 10% market share for years. If they can get to 1% market share, I mean, it, it really could turn into a little bit of a business, although they're, I think they're like super anti-ads. So I think as a marketer, you probably don't care too much about DuckDuckGo. No, no, they, they have ads. Um, it's really just based off of, but they're not really tracking the user's data. So it's really based off of like old school. If it would probably feel a little more like Google search ads, 10 years ago, where they're not necessarily taking into your mobile, where you are, time of day, what you've searched in the past, like all those other elements that, you know, really help to drive the ad that you're showing. It's really now like, what is the intent of the keyword someone searched? But they are, they are, they are, they do have some ads. You could go check them out. Um, we like them. They, they, they use Quora quite a bit. They're, you know, they're running Twitter, Facebook, Reddit ads to their Quora answers, which we, of course, always appreciate. Yeah, I'm actually using it right now, and you're right. I mean, it looks exactly like Google. I search pizza near me, and I get Papa John's at, up top, So, which is terrible yeah. targeting because I will never eat Papa John's. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you know, I think Apple also helped them out, too. You know, so the, the, on, on the iPhones now, the latest, uh, what, 12 point whatever it is for you uh, iPhone users, you can select DuckDuckGo now as your default browser, which I thought was a, a pretty good welcome change. Uh, can you can you pick Brave as your default browser? I don't believe so. I think it's Safari, Google, DuckDuckGo. Because Brave, I might... Maybe Bing? I don't remember. 
I don't have my phone near me. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd go check. Good job. Good job not having your phone on you. Way to break the chains. Um, That's right, man. <laughs> Can't hold me back. <laughs> the um, <laughs> So I'll talk about Brave now because we're talking about uh, browsers or search engines, rather. Uh, well, Brave is a browser, not a search engine, but it's... Um, you know, it's kind of integrated. So if you haven't tried Brave yet, just Google it. You can install it. It, it is a browser that competes with like Chrome and Firefox, etc. cetera. Um, and it's similar to DuckDuckGo that their whole kind of reason for existence is to have this kind of built-in privacy, privacy first. We don't track data and there's no ads unless they conform to this ad model they're trying to use, which is a lot like the one I always say I like on Twitch so much, which you know, Amazon owns Twitch, and uh, they have these kind of currency uh, things on Twitch called something, which I can't remember right now, Bits, that's it. And you can earn bits by watching ads. And actually, Amazon's played around with that model on Twitch a few times, so I don't know if you could even do it right now, but at various times over the past few years, there's this model. You watch an ad as a user, they pay you a little bit of virtual currency, and then you could use that in the Twitch ecosystem to go buy things which a lot of you are saying, yeah, who cares? Who wants to buy virtual goods on Twitch? But that is a huge industry, and people who play video games buy a lot of crap, a lot of virtual stuff. Uh, I mean, if you think of, like, Farmville and uh, Candy Crush, I mean, they're billion-dollar industries of people buying video game stuff. So I talked about that a lot, and now... uh, And Brave has been talking about this since 2016, but um, they are now kind of officially launching it, where you can watch ads, you earn... uh, some virtual currency and then you could use it to buy like gift cards and vouchers for like real things you could actually get like a gift card for a restaurant based on watching ads so that's pretty crazy yeah i like it i i this is what i like right it's um i still get free content and now i'm getting paid right from this browser you're getting 70 percent they're paying viewers of 70 percent cut right i mean they're only taking 30 percent off that which i again you'd have to just go wow like you could have probably taken more, but big fan. I love that it's you know putting and protecting our rights and our and our data and up front and it's protecting them, but it's also rewarding me for my attention. Which again, I like being rewarded for my attention. It's in this attention economy, which I talked about kind of in the the keynote. It's a, there's a huge scarcity, and so there's too many things competing for my attention. But now if I can use Brave and get rewarded for my attention, like. And I still get the, my privacy and no tracking. It's like, wow, this is, sounds great. And I've always said there's an opportunity for someone to reverse the model of tracking. Where, like, I just went to DuckDuckGo and I, they're doing great things. But I legitimately will not eat Papa John's for a variety of reasons. I don't like their pizza. I don't like the founder of the company. I don't like, <laughs> like, chains. Like, there is, you know, so few reasons I will buy Papa John's. And if you take targeting out of the picture, you're going to end up with a lot of untargeted ads that are a waste of time on me. I've been vegetarian for seven years and I get like all these steak ads and like you're literally just wasting your money because I don't eat steak. Um, Now you can get into the whole, this is a long-term play and in 10 years you won't be vegetarian anymore. Maybe you'll eat meat. But for the most part, you probably don't want to spend your dollars if you're, you know, Texas Roadhouse on me because I'm not going to go to your restaurant. But so I want targeted ads because I don't want untargeted ads, but I don't want to be tracked. So somebody can flip the model. So if Brave says, hey, who cares about ads? Here's an opportunity for you to make money for your attention and I'll pay you. But hey, you know what? Why don't you go in and customize the ads you see? Why don't you tell us, oh, you're vegetarian. Okay, 
we'll give you vegetarian ads. Oh, you're, you know, and then I can choose. And, and Google lets you do this, you, and Facebook as well. You can go see what categories they've put you in and interests and all that. And you can update it yourself. But who does that? And when you go in there, you're usually just freaked out because it's like, oh, why do, you know, I don't like the NRA. Why is the NRA in here as an interest? Because, you know, I like clicked some article about the NRA once and then <laughs> Google puts me in the NRA category. Um, so I don't know. I think this is a really good way of putting value on your privacy and your attention, to your point. And then it might be an opportunity to flip the model and say, hey, you don't have to make targeting better so we can make things creepy. We're just going to let you customize your ad experience so that you get paid watching things you want to watch. The real thing you got, that we kind of missed and glossed over here, though, Paul, was Impossible Burger. Come on now. Impossible Burger going for the IPO. So therefore, you don't have to eat the like beef steak anymore. You can have fake beef. You know, I do like a good Impossible Burger, but after... Beyond meat. <laughs> right. After a number of years, you don't care anymore, though. So when you first go vegetarian, you're like, I want something that feels like a burger or tastes like a burger. But then after a while, you like forget what it tastes like, and, and you don't care. You're just like, <laughs> you know, it's like a, a novelty that you don't really care about anymore. You're just like, I want to eat stuff that I think tastes good, and, and your taste change. So it's funny because I, I don't get super excited when they are like, it's going to taste just like meat because it's been so long. I'm like, I, I don't care. It's like, but they IPO'd. Well, I didn't even know that. Well, they're they're seeking IPO, oh, okay. so they're gonna one point two billion dollar valuation. Again, the unicorn class, as Scott has called it, it's another one uh, going up. But what's really interesting that I just learned from learning about this just uh, yesterday was uh, Tyson Foods uh, sold their equity, so they had six point five percent stake in Beyond Meat. Pretty interesting, huh? Oh. That uh, Tyson, who is like meat. It's like specifically, I think of just chicken. Yeah, chicken, chicken nuggets. nuggets, right? That's what. Um, <laughs> do they make anything else? Just bags of frozen chicken nuggets by the zillions. Uh, they they uh, they sold their steak um, as Beyond Meat uh, prepares for their IPO next week. So there's pretty an, interesting. There's a nice little pun in there. They sold their steak. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> nice. Dang it. Right. Well, it's Dang funny. It. Uh, so Vinny, who works here, who's Italian, and he uh, his family in Italy owns like a like not a butcher, but like a meat distribution company, like a big one. And he said he reached out to like all the Beyond Meat Impossible Burgers about you know, expanding in Italy. And they were like, we're sold out of everything. Our demand is just through the roof. I just tried to get after my whole speech about how I don't like fake meat because I was with Vinny at lunch. He was asking about it. And I said, oh, they sell it at this uh, whatever Mediterranean place. They do like kebab, like fake kebab. It's impossible kebab. I was like, oh, we can try it. And then they were sold out. <laughs> so I think their IPO <laughs> will go some. well. I found some at Whole Foods. We're going to grill them up tomorrow night. So next week, I'll let you know. We're going to go. So this is what we're testing. So we're, we got some impossible burgers. And then we're going to go to our local farmer's market. We're going to get some ground beef grass-fed from an actual rancher in that's local. So it's we're going to compare the two. It's going to be as you know a good a beef as we can get versus this fake plant plant-based grown in a lab burger we're gonna we're gonna put them put them to the test i warn the impossible burger will lose i i've eaten <laughs> enough of them it is from what i remember it's very clear it will it does not taste as good as a really well done burger it's not as juicy it's it just it, it, what it compares to is like kind of a mediocre burger you got at like cafeterias or at school lunch when it was like, hmm, 
like so it was it's like a mediocre burger and then you pile all the cheese and you know crispy onions and all that crap on top and you're like oh yeah this is pretty good because it's basically like a grilled cheese sandwich with toppings and a little thing that kind of tastes like meat so sorry <laughs> if i'm violating your uh your test here but i do i'm going to set your expectations if you're if if everybody right. ate grass-fed beef that was free range <laughs> and pastured then we'd be fine i wouldn't be vegetarian or maybe i would be but i'd be like hey everybody eat your meat but so i think if you go do that um i know because you're seeking my approval i am also happy if you go buy your beef from that local rancher <laughs> all right let's talk about internet stuff all right, yeah yeah what's amazon but doing these days amazon <laughs> yeah amazon's winning continued to win um so Again, when you look at like ad sales rows, so they have their other category. So it's a little bit tricky whenever Amazon does the reports because they put their advertising in, an, in a category called other. And so we, we, we assume that that's just ads, but there, I mean, there literally could be other things in there. But anyway, 2.72 billion in Q1, um, that's up 34% year over year. And so again, 2.72 Q1, multiply that out, I mean, they still look like they're on target to hit that 10 billion mark in 2019. So really good stuff there. One of the uh, takeaways that I got from it was sponsored products. It accounts for 85% of all Amazon spend. So I was, I was like, wow, okay, sponsored products. That, that's their bread and butter. And then, you know, I don't know financials super well. I mean, although I did get my MBA in finance, so I should, I should take that back. <laughs> I, I probably know them pretty well. Um, I guess what my point is, they had some line in here. The company reported four straight quarters of record profit as the e-commerce giant's revenues rose 70%. Uh, we already talked about it. So, But I don't know, record profit, there's always this story that Amazon doesn't make any money. So I don't know if record profit is like they, they didn't lose as much as they used to, but uh, I need to go figure out if Amazon makes money yet. Um, I think so. I think they've been profitable now for like a year or two. But I mean, yeah, they just... They just made that switch over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, well, if this this says, uh, you know, four straight quarters of record profit. So maybe they've been profitable for, for four quarters, and I should stop using them as an example when I talk about uh, startups not being profitable. I'm like, Amazon's not profitable. Now someone's going to be like, actually, they just made, you know, $20 billion in profit. Yeah. I mean, but like, yeah, to be fair, their first 20 years, I don't think they made any money. Right. Um, but I think Jeff knew but, that. Yeah. I think Jeff Bezos yes. had this uh, figured out. He did the math and was like, I'm going to take all my money and dump it back into you know, robot warehouses and drones. And then one year we'll just be like, eh, print 10 billion. I mean, 60 billion in Q1. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's Google money. Get out of here. And then, wow. The other interesting thing I saw was, you know, they've been launching physical stores. So there's actually two of them right around our San Francisco office where mm. you can walk in and you buy stuff and then you don't have to like check out. I actually haven't done it yet. So I, I haven't seen the experience. And I see people roaming or Amazon employees roaming around with like tablets. So clearly, they're helping, but um, their revenue from stores grew one uh, percent. So I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't think they're really investing heavily in physical stores quite yet. And then Alexa is up to ninety thousand skills. So it was interesting they didn't report on the number of users or searches in Alexa. Instead, they reported on the number of skills acquired. So, well, the number one skill for Alexa is Alexa, play the PPC Show podcast. <laughs> You, Go try it for all you Alexa users. You will get Paul and I in your ear uh, or your home speaker. Wow. Your smart speaker is the category. 
That's right. Yeah, smart speaker. Let's just keep saying it so that if somebody has Alexa, it starts being like, I could not understand you. Please repeat your, or whatever it says. This is the reason I unplugged Alexa in all our conference rooms. Um, and then Twitter. So Twitter, this was a really interesting story because it talks about the fact that 10% of Twitter users create 80% of the volume or the tweets. And I am in the 10%. Wait. 10% are creating 8% tweets. Yes, that's right. Okay, so yes. I'm in the top 10% of Twitter users and because of the way they show you like uh, the behavior of a top 10 tweeter versus a bottom 90%. Although I should say, it's pretty much, if you tweet a few times a month, like yes. five yes. times a month, you are in the top 10%. So Yes. And I think that's... So I'm trying to couple this one with how they're now uh, reporting their user growth. And I think this is what they're saying... Uh, within their users because they're no longer they're still like reporting like the 300 and something but they're also adding like monetizable users and I think maybe that's part of it because when you think about you know the bottom 90% so 90% of tweeters are only doing it eh, you know a couple times a month it's going to be kind of hard to monetize those users if they're not using it regularly now maybe they're just not tweeting maybe they're just on there getting their news or they're just kind of scrolling and they're lurking um but they're not really tweeting yeah so they don't have the number of follows or likes because i thought that would be interesting to see to your point like if they're on there reading and occasionally liking or not i mean so just the numbers real quick so for the bottom 90 percent, their median number of tweets is two per month as opposed to the top 10 percent is 138 tweets which is a lot more than i do i think i probably have 20 or 30 tweets a month um, and then yeah. the yeah. number of followers for a top 10 percenter is around 387, bottom 90 percent to 19. I am right there. I think I'm like 400. You must be a ton after your keynote. You're probably like, <laughs> you're top 1 percent, buddy. No, I got, I, I think, you know, I, I got some. And again, this is just part of it. Not everyone is on Twitter. I mean, I was really surprised by that after the Hero Comp. I mean, so I had a lot of people reaching out saying, hey, can you uh, send me your slides? And I was like, yeah, I put them on Twitter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, just go to Twitter. They're there. And they were like, oh, no, like, can you just like send them to me? I don't have Twitter. And I was like, ah. I was talking to my sister who is uh, 28. And she was like, I was like, uh, yeah, you should go check Twitter. You know, I did this and that. And she was like, I don't have a Twitter. Why would I have a Twitter? I'm on Snapchat. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I think it over-indexes for marketers, so it's fairly safe for marketers. And they did put some stats in here about, like, uh, you know, people on Twitter are more generally more educated than the general population, generally more wealthy. It is a little more female, too. I think it's six... Uh, mm. Bottom... Huh? So it's about 48% of people on Twitter are female, but in the top 10%, 65% are female. So it's somewhere around 50-50 split on Twitter. But the top tweeters are uh, skew female, 65-35. Interesting. Yeah, it is. I was, I didn't, I thought it'd be, I, thought, I just thought they would index higher. I thought there'd be a much bigger shift between the top 10 and the bottom 90. It also just shows you that the top 10, they have a dedicated top 10 user base. Yeah. You, me, other peeps. But yeah, it's insane. And and they didn't count institutional tweeters, which are, you know, like brands or like news outlets that tweet like 87 times a day. So it actually threw all those out. And these are like things that Twitter thinks are actual people. So 
So, hey, if you want to help me and JD be top 1%, get on Twitter and follow Wikipedia <laughs> and JD Prater. Although you should change your handle to JD or uh, Prater Tot, clearly. JD Prater. I should go out there and get that before someone else does. That's true. Uh, I think that's all the news we have. I think we covered the Apple search ads one pretty well in the numbers. Yeah. And Snapchat as well. We talked about their revenue. And I think people, you know, at some point, it's just so many billions and millions, these numbers start floating around. So I think I think we beat uh, beat that to death. That's a very that's negative true. term. <laughs> just, yeah. As I was saying, yeah. it. I think we really yeah, beat that be to careful. death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We just, I think but, we talked about that a lot. I think the only thing I just want to touch on with Apple was they're generating around $2 billion in revenue from Apple ads. I, again, I was, I was, I didn't realize that they were that high up, you know, Uh, I was like, wow, okay. You know, that's like doing as much as Twitter and Snap and they're just kind of quiet about their Apple search ads. And we should add Pinterest and now the Pinterest is, wait, is Pinterest public? Oh man, they're blowing up. Right, right, right. Well, in my head, I keep thinking they're seeking, there's so many IPS I can't keep them straight. But so Pinterest, we should be able to put their numbers in here too. So my next tweet, when Google publishes their numbers on Monday, Maybe I'll do Google and Pinterest, and you know, one of these days, Core is going to go public, right? You're going to become my my millionaire friend, buy us a nice studio <laughs> in Mexico, maybe on the beach. This will become our full time job. Okay, I take your laughter Sounds as good. as acceptance. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm in. Okay, let's do it. Uh, but yeah, they started out at 19, and as of right now, Pinterest is at 29.65. That's like a 50% bump. Wow, darn it. Yeah. I missed that bump. Well, go buy some Pinterest stock. And uh, if you want to download our quarterly benchmark report from AdStage, you could head over to uh, AdStage.io, check out resources, or you could sign up for our blog at blog.adstage.io and, uh, and just get our headlines right to your inbox every week. So enjoy your week, everybody. See you later. Boom. <laughs>